So I just moved into a, a new apartment that I bought. And when I moved in, my first thought was, oh, nice. I'm just going to make everything the way I want it. And then once you start, it never goes the way you want it. And you're just walking around the apartment, finding stuff you want to fix. And as you're going to fix those things, you find other things to fix. And when you buy the stuff you need to fix it, you realize you bought the wrong stuff. And eventually you have an apartment where everything is half working. And you're just trying to put everything together. And you're just sitting there like you can't enjoy anything because it's not done yet. So like I'm probably going to be miserable in my own apartment for the next coming like six years until I've... And by that time, time, I might actually sell the apartment because I'm so tired of it. By that time, ready to buy a house and start all over again, just multiply it by 10. Yes. The so when are you actually... a homeowner. Can't relate. So, so when, no. when, you move into a, when you move into a new place, like how long does it take for you to actually get to the point like, okay, now it's the way I want it. Like, Never. <laughs> how much do you need to do? In the beginning, it's always like depression station for me, like a lot. Even every time I move into a new place, they have white lights. And until I change them mm -hmm. to like warm tungsten, I will never be calm. And I remember when we moved into this place, my roommate was not here. I was arranging the pots and pans and I couldn't figure out the way to put them. I was listening to Mitski and I just started crying and I cried so much <laughs> under the white lights. And that's the worst memory. I, I have. I, I had a feeling right now with my kitchen where it's like every day I'm moving everything to a different box or like different cupboard and nothing. It's never the way I want it. It just doesn't make sense. And then I bought like I bought like. 10 different mason jars that I was going to fill with everything, like all the like uh, dry materials I'm using. Done and I filled too. up like... Jesus, I, <laughs> Ikea housewife over here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but I filled up seven of them with fucking muesli and now I have nothing else. So I'm like, okay, I need to buy 10 more just for my pasta and rice. Do you like, put labels on them? Do you write no, like no, beans no. With, in cursive? I no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to get a label maker that's like Comic Sans or something. <laughs> Oh, that was like, uh, my girlfriend did that in the two flats ago. She got these tiny mason jars. It's like, oh, put spices in these. But she didn't label them. And oh, I was like, no. that's, a, that's a terrible idea. It's like, no, no, you can just, you can just see. You can smell what it you is. Like, no, you couldn't. Then I don't think a single one of them got refilled. It's like, empty it. It's like, I don't know what this is. Smell it. They used the same thing over. And then eventually just threw them out and got like actual fucking spice jars. In my previous apartment, uh, I didn't want to, because I was just renting it, so I didn't want to buy anything for it. So all the glass bottles I got from, like, when you buy, like, tomato mix and stuff for making, uh, like, bolognese and such, I would just make those and turn those into, like, uh, spice jars. But eventually you get to the point where, like, yeah, I, I think I had, like, nine jars filled with cumin, because cumin is my favorite uh, spice. And then I was like, okay, the so where's one. the dill? And I was like, where's the dill? And then I was like, okay, I think this is dill or oregano. Or basil, I don't know. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, if you mistake those three, I think that's a you problem. They're so distinct. But could, could you tell if I showed you two jars of uh, oregano and one with basil, how how easily would you be able to tell which one is which? I mean, can I smell? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I. Because that was the thing. Like it's like it, it was probably that kind of difficult, and that actually happened a couple of days ago because I had a jar. It was like that had a. Some chili in it and I was like which chili is this is this the hot chili or the spicy chili or the sweet chili and I took a sniff and it <laughs> got in my nose and I was like oh yeah that was a sweet chili at least it wasn't the spicy chili <laughs> so how long does it take for you uh, Philip to get to the point where I'm like okay I'm done now with my apartment because like I don't want to think about moving like think about moving makes me fucking uh it makes me anxious i hate it so much and like, the last move i did was so horrible and uh, yeah i don't want to talk about it <laughs> but, but the, your current it apartment you're renting it. it it was like it, it was i was coming from a country i wasn't living in to stop by the country i was living in uh that go by the flat that someone else had just moved in into and like pick up her stuff from the basement, hand over keys and shit. We had like an hour to do this, and we weren't like done packing, and then like take an Uber to the airport. And yeah, it was it was a fucking nightmare. Plane moving as well is the worst. Can I oh, just say oh. I accidentally met up with Philip when he was moving at the oh, yeah. airport in Brussels, <laughs> and when I saw them with all of their bags, and they had just put their checked-in luggage as well, so there was more. 
I just got the worst anxiety of my life. <laughs> just <laughs> thinking about someone moving cross country with all those bags. I would never. I can't. But that's like the the last time I moved, what I did was that like, okay, so first I moved from a different country back to my home country where I lived with my dad. And when I moved to my dad's place, I was like, okay, I only had the bare essentials, like clothes and my computer stuff. That's all I have. Then we went to Ikea and bought like kitchen stuff. The like two boxes and I just filled them all. And then I was like, I had packed everything and I was ready. Like, okay, now we just like pack. It's like, just like stacking Tetris and then we go to the apartment and it doesn't matter how little stuff you have. It's still going to be like a whole fucking truck full of shit when you're moving. And it's like every time it's like, okay, it's not going to be that much this time. And then you realize, oh shit, I have a whole box of just like blankets and like washcloths. <laughs> <laughs> I love how... Uh... We just tuned into the Bed Bath and Beyond podcast for this one. <laughs> Should we just <laughs> continue this way? Or <laughs> I think they might have needed some more Bed Bath Beyond stuff for this movie we're going to be talking about today. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the latest episode of Please Don't Hate It. The podcast where we are going through the best of the best every third week. Uh, I'm this week's host, uh, Philip, and I'm here with Pontus and your girl, Dude Bro Ned. And today we watched the 1997 slasher I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, starring uh, JLH, SMG, um, some dude. FPJ and Ryan Felipe. Uh, and it was directed by uh, Jim Gillespie. And uh, I'll mention the writer of the screenplay as well, because this is written by Kevin Williamson, who is um, quite a household name here. But yeah, um, let's go through a quick plot synopsis. Yeah, that's you, Ned. I was tasked with this and once again unprepared. But um, the story follows the life of Helen Shivers. Sadly, is something I cannot say because she was not the main character. So we start off with the beauty pageant where Helen Shivers undoubtedly wins because she's the best. Uh, we have four friends played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Ryan. How, how do you pronounce his name? You said it. Philippe? Philippe. Philippe. I, I was at Philippe. Ryan Lochte. Oh. Yeah, that, by, that bitch. So, um, yeah, they are celebrating 4th of July, very American, very patriotic. They go off to a beach. Um, I think they both, both couples had some sex. It was the first time for Jennifer Love Hewitt. And she was like, yeah, why not do it on a beach? Sand sounds nice. And they, they made a huge point of establishing that Jennifer Love Hewitt's character is like the, the meta meta. She's like meta on top of the meta levels of Scream, where it's like she's talking about how... Uh, people dying in stories is because of uh, the dangers of premarital sex and yeah. so on. And it's like the the it's like the the top tier feminism like liberal critique of like YouTube video essays. Exactly. You guys remember uh, the name of the beach in the movie because they name drop it twice. What was it? No. It's called Dawson's Beach because Dawson's Kevin beach. Kevin Williamson is the creator of Dawson's Creek. Really. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's some trivia for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he he's the, he he wrote Scream and he wrote this and uh, it, it, this is an adapted uh, screenplay. But this is uh, like the setting in this is very Dawson's Creek, and mm -hmm. I mean like basic plot as well, except for the killing. Interesting. But yeah, Love move that. along. Moving on. Yeah, so they they head back. Uh, Ryan Philippe. Oh, what was his name? Um, Barry. Barry. So that was his name in the movie. Barry is like. Nobody drives my car but me, but he's shit-faced. So um, Ray takes the wheel, but uh, Barry's like, you know, I'm just going to hang off the, the, the hood of the car, whatever that thing is called, and just disturb you and spill my bottle all over you, and then we're going to hit a man. So they ran over a person, a real-life person, who was in the middle of nowhere, and they were like, yeah, he's dead, because they're all medical professionals, and uh, Ray felt the pulse, and he was like, yeah, I think he's dead, guys. So they decide to dump the body in the lake. Uh, they almost got caught by Max, who is played by the Big Bang Theory guy that I find very annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah. do, do, uh, do you all just find him annoying because uh, of his character on Entourage? 
I haven't seen Entourage, but I Me think he either. has a very punchable. He has a, not not a punchable face, but he has a squishy face, like a face you want to stretch. Very smug. Also, I hate his whole Benjamin Button story because he looks older in this movie than he is in the Big Bang Theory that came out like years later. And I don't. I, it's called Hollywood. I don't trust uh, people like that. He does have one of the best lines in this movie, though. When it's like, ah, oh, don't give me that. My shit don't stink grin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which happened at that moment when they almost caught them. Uh, but yeah, the, the guy actually wakes up when they throw him into the lake. Uh, it was a lake, right? Was uh, it? It's the coast. No, it's like the coast. Yeah, oh, okay, so it's like an ocean, uh, yeah. which essentially is, I think, like a bigger lake. So I'm always correct. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's alive. He, um, but they drown him, uh, allegedly. And they move on with their lives. They make a pact and they say that they'll never speak of this again. And then, don't you know it? It's one year later. Jennifer Love Hewitt has gone full emo um, before emo I, I, I even just existed. I want to interject that when they have this little dramatic shot of her turning around and it's like, look mm. at this transformation, how she's turning into a bad, like how she's a miserable person. And I'm, I, it took me like a minute until I realized, oh, they gave her bangs and less makeup. And that's enough. That's enough for it to be like the emo transformation. Yeah. Those fucking bangs are like what those what do you call those? Is the, I, I like, would call them Victoria Beckham bangs. It's like bangs that are just like a bit too trashy and plastic to work. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like seven strains of bang. They're so thin. It's not a yeah. full Carly Rae Jepsen and Call Me Maybe where it's like I almost can't see. It's just like a sad excuse for a bang. But it's because it's, it, it kind of shows that I don't care anymore because my life sucks. I killed a man. And that's the type of bangs that she has. And she, and she wears overalls. Nirvana, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, she, she wears overalls. And when they said, like early on in the movie, they play typo negative music. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's going to be new metal all up in this <laughs> shit. <laughs> my, my girlfriend didn't know what movie we were watching. And took it like two seconds after she heard like the typo negative. It's like, oh, is this this, this one? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, she has a black friend that we never see in the movie again, um, which was sad because she seemed fun. She reminded me. Well, you of... should watch the sequel then. Oh, she's there. Perfect. Great. I think so. Uh, yeah. Is she, she the can... Samuel Jackson of this universe? She like ties them all together. Well, she replaces the cast that don't make it in this one. Okay. <laughs> so she goes back to her, uh, to the Dawson's place, <laughs> whatever it was. Dawson's, Dawson's Beach. Beach. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she I, she looked unsure if she wants to come home, but then her mom was kind of expecting her to, and she's like, oh my god, she popped out of nowhere, you're back. Uh, she comes back into the house, she doesn't speak to her parents, because she's now a moody uh, college girl, and uh, she receives a note, and on the note it says, I know what you did last summer, which could mean a lot of things, but she's sure that it's the murder of a guy, and then... Um, she reconnects with her old friends. She finds out that Helen Shivers, the beauty queen, is not in New York like everybody expected her to be an actress, but she's actually working at the jewelry counter of her sister's store. It was her sister, right? This is the, her the parents' store. But yeah. Her sister is pretty much running it. Okay, Elsa. Yeah. Uh, the mean queen with the frozen heart. So very fitting name. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, she tells her that I think somebody knows and is on to us. And then some weird shit starts happening. Like Barry is like, yeah, I'm sure that that freak Max was the one that did this. So they go to to his little fishing place. I don't know what they're called. I'm uh, not acquainted with fish. Um, can, I, can I also interject that when I go and visit Max and that it's like he's he's they establish him as being like the, the rich asshole of the town. But yeah. when they establish his house... Like, I don't know it because I'm so used to like uh, shows like uh, Big, uh, is it called Big Little Liars or Pretty Big? Little Lies. Pretty big. Yeah. Uh, there's like, I'm, I'm used to the rich people living in these very like extravagant modern buildings and these people live on in the like, coast. yeah, it's like a, a white coast mm -hmm. mansion. There's yeah. just like a regular house anywhere in Sweden. <laughs> also, when you said establishing shots, they really milked the budget for that crane. Everything here was a crane shot. Everything was wide angle. I loved it. <laughs> but that opening shot is pretty cool, though. Yeah, like the the like oh going across the water and then like for like a very long time, two type of negative, and then just yeah. like landing on this guy who's about to kill himself. But not to take it back to the moment when Jennifer Love Hewitt turned around in the chair, but that was such an unnecessary shot. Like I remember seeing it. It started off from her bags, then went around the room behind her, and then it turned back <laughs> to her face, and I'm like. Y'all are doing too much for this movie. <laughs> did, did this come out after or before Matrix? 
before. Because I think they had like the exact same kind of like very establishing sequence in Matrix when they established Neo. I yeah. know what you did last summer, walk so the Matrix could run. Yes. Yeah, that's actually the prototype. But anyways, uh, Barry is then, like I said, after Max, he goes to scare him. And then Max is ultimately killed by the actual killer. And we don't know what happens to his body yet. Um, and then we see Barry uh, being run over by the killer. He's chasing him with the car. And, and Barry, of course, being the smart blonde that he is, he just runs along the road instead of just like <laughs> going to the side where a car cannot go. Uh, but we're not going to question him. Um, and then he's in a hospital. They now they are now sure that somebody is after them. The next target is Helen. He actually hides in her closet while she's at home. And uh, her sister makes a remark about how she cares too much about her hair. So Helen, of course, wakes up with half her hair chopped off. Uh, and imagine actually, the Godfather horse head, but way more iconic. <laughs> much better, actually, and better acting. Yes, <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of impressed how they managed to cut her hair under her head when she was sleeping on her back. I was like, did they like knock her out and then like lift her head and just like use like a scissor underneath her head or something? I mean, the killer can probably gut a fish in his sleep, so he's killed. Oh yeah, it's established like the the killer is wearing this like uh, what's it called, the fisherman outfit, a slicker. Like a slicker and he has one of those ice hooks that are used yeah, to kill people exactly with. and he actually uses it in a very creative way to carry bodies which i really enjoyed but um yeah she wakes up with her hair chopped off which leads to an even more iconic haircut i would say so actually a win-win situation for her uh, somebody made the hard decision to cut those uh, locks off instead of her and that's beautiful so, and then she started wearing the Beyonce hat from uh, Austin Powers Gold Member, the black one. Yeah. The big uh, black knitted one. <laughs> uh, she then has to go to the parade because she was last year's beauty pageant winner and she has to sit in a clam, of course. It's a, it's a fishing town. And then their plan is to uh, catch the killer because he's definitely going to be at the parade that's full of people and try to kill someone in front of them. Great plan. Uh, and then all of the people there are basically wearing slickers and they just go after random people and it's not working out. But the other actual killer is on a balcony, just laughing. And then we go to the beauty pageant uh, where we see... Oh, did they go first to the house of that of the sister? There's a, yeah, there's a whole like red herring plot line. Yeah. That they think that, uh, Should we go through that one at all? I mean, yeah. it's... It it doesn't really re lead like the final plot anywhere, but they think that the the person they ran over is this uh, this guy who's like a couple years older than than them. That uh, the year before was in a car crash that killed his fiance, mm -hmm. and they go to visit his sister to find out clues about him. I yeah. felt like keeping track of the plot line of who died in which car crash. Car crash kind of felt like when. People start talking about their family trees, and it's like, yeah. So my brother's <laughs> uncle's sister, and I'm like, and I'm like, uh, can, okay, can you can you, take a can you wrote it? Can you like write it down in like a visual medium so yeah. I understand? Yeah, like rewatching this is like the plot. This whole plot, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like I could watch this for the first time because this I don't remember it, and it's like. Yeah, I don't know where this went. I just remember like the, the scenes themselves where stuff actually happens. I the, love the point. The, 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 the twist is basically that the person that they thought they killed was actually the person that killed the person they thought they killed. The, yeah. the person they thought they killed was murdered by the person they thought they killed. Yeah. Good. And that person who killed the first person did so because the first person was in a car crash with that killed his daughter. Yeah, so it's a, a, a father having revenge on the daughter's boyfriend because the daughter died in a car crash. Yeah, mm. basically. And it, it, it and it's all, I don't know if because it was the 90s, but they didn't really give the, I think they might have given the audience too much uh, credit credit to understand this because when that happened in the movie, I was like, wait, huh? Did I miss something here? Like, is there a scene, like an exposition or a flashback missing here that makes me go like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? It was so good I was tuned in because I'm usually kind of, you know, aloof. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it when I watched it. Anyway, though, we're at the beauty pageant now. And um, uh, old, old Barry is at, at the balcony. He loves being there and rooting for his girl. And then the fisherman is there and he kills him. And she starts screaming, which I thought was iconic. And the whole crowd is like, girl, what the fuck? And they don't believe her and they just crowd around her which was weird like some kind of like midsummer uh, type of cult 
Uh, nobody believes her and she sees a cop who's like, yeah, this uh, blonde here chick. Um, yeah, let's see what she wants. Maybe she was she want to fuck at the balcony. I don't know. Uh, he was kind of sleazy like that. And they go upstairs and they see nothing. But uh, uh, the camera pans to a, a small drop of blood, the, which was not needed because we already saw the murder. Uh, so <laughs> there was no need I, to I think they that. had a scene of that without the blood but then they kind of went like okay but then yeah, people started thinking that it's a psychological thing but it's not like the, we know the killer exists yeah and um the cop is giving a, a Sarah Michelle Geller a ride home uh which will prompt the best sequence in the entire movie uh and sure. um she's sitting in the back where you famously cannot open the doors because you are the criminal uh they're talking and then he sees someone having trouble with their car Someone in a slicker, which is normal for this town. Remember that. And he goes to help him. And then she realizes that, okay, that's the guy. And she says, behind you, even though he's in front of him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> behind you. And then he gets slashed. Uh, so Sarah Michelle Geller then, uh, pre-Buffy, uh, so we don't expect much physical prowess from her, kicks the windows, uh, breaks them, uh, gets out of the car, starts running in heels, giving full Jurassic World fantasy. Um and uh, we see this cute little chase scene. He, she's actually the scream queen of this movie. I'm sure that nobody can beat her in a scream. Jennifer Love Hewitt tried, but that was bad girl. And then she goes to Elsa where she's working and she's doing like revision or something like that. Some budget stuff that they mentioned. So that's why she's Inventory. late in the store. The Inventory. Store. Yeah. Um, Elsa has locked and um, she's super slow. Like I got super mad at Elsa. Uh, <laughs> Elsa is such a fucking bitch in this movie. She bullies her sister just, like, all the time. Her lungs out to her open door. She's like slowly working towards it. Like, oh, I forgot oh the keys. God, <laughs> and they established that you can actually see the guy walking towards um, Sarah Michelle Geller, And she's like, oh. You're, you're being such a drama queen right now. And it's like, yeah. the, the fucking guy with the hook is behind her. You can see him. Like, he's in the middle of a park. And she's like, girl, I'm being chased. And she's like, oh, my God. And then she tells her to lock the other door. But um, as the camera swiftly suggests, somebody already opened it and is inside. Now, so the sister gets killed, which, uh, yeah, don't Good care race. about her. Whatever. Sarah Michelle Gellar then, although I was rooting for her so bad, uh, does the most stupid thing and she calls out even though she heard a scream she should have kept her little mouth shut and then the killer hides under a piece of uh, plastic just like one of the mannequins in the store and in a very funny and almost campy fashion jumps out at her uh, tries to kill her Sarah Michelle Geller escapes again starts running barefoot and um, she almost reaches the parade and uh, he catches her and kills her. Yeah, the fireworks and, and the marching band drowns out the sound of the her The fireworks, dying. like, um, their reflections on her and how they created the whole scene. I was like, this is beautiful. I wish the movie ended here because the rest I didn't care for. Because we had the two <laughs> most boring characters left. Um, and, yeah, they... Um, yeah, Barry got killed, if we... Yeah, he did. Yeah, he got we killed on the, the balcony. Body. Oh, we did yeah. see the body. We saw it in the ice. No, it's boat. later on in the movie yeah, yeah at the end. so jennifer love hewitt goes to ray and she's like okay i think i know who the killer is and then she sees that the boat's name is billy blue and actually um the sister of the person they thought they killed uh met up with the person that introduced themselves as billy blue that she suspected was the killer so now she suspects that ray is the killer oh my god complicated but before we go on with that when that happened, was I the one one thinking, wait, didn't they establish that the sister of the guy they thought they killed said that <laughs> she tried to have a relationship with Billy Blue? Yeah. I th I thought they said like, oh, we tried, but things didn't work out. And it's like, are you establishing right now that also like Freddie Prince Jr. fucked his older lady, like older, like Anne Hesh character? I mean, she's... I wouldn't say she's an older lady. She's like no, but, five years older than them. Yeah, but she like they they put makeup on her stuff, so she looks like a bit more uh, haggard and wasn't worn. she also pregnant? No, okay. and, she, and she was also like she she lived in like the the like uh, the coastal version of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Resident Evil like Seven house. <laughs> yeah. So when they said like, did, did I miss? Did they actually say something in the dialogue that? She tried to have a relationship with Freddie Prince Jr.'s character. Something like that. Yeah, because him and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, they were broken up yeah. While, yeah. after this. But well, she I, was I, 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 pretty I, delusional, so maybe she was yeah. on her head. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 
I love the fact that they never bring it up again. Like when she goes to meet him and she's like Billy Blue, she's like, <gasps> and then when he explains himself, it, they don't bring it up. It's like, so what the fuck? Did you sleep with her? <laughs> like they yeah. didn't say anything about it. Yeah. So uh, JLH starts running. She's uh, there's this older guy there that tells her, "Oh my God, go to my boat. I'll save you, girl." Um, surprise, that's the killer. Um, so he starts the boat. They're both like trapped there. I think was Freddie Prince. No, Freddie Prince Jr. took the the boat to try yeah, and he save takes her. his own boat. Yeah, and chase them down. So this is where I I didn't need this because I probably just I don't understand the infrastructure of a boat. So I couldn't like get what was happening, where she was, where the other guy was, what all these ropes did. It was confusing. Uh, but yeah, there was this long sequence. She then stumbled upon some diamonds, which I thought were diamonds. Turns out it was ice. And I was like, oh my God, diamonds. Where'd you take those? Ice is slang for diamonds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all these fishermen can afford a yeah. room full of diamonds. And then she found the bodies of the others. Like we didn't need more confirmation that this was the killer already chasing her with the same hook. Um, it was a good jump scare though yeah and they did some a bunch of things that you do on a boat and got his hand stuck in a rope then he flew into the skies got his hand chopped off and fell into the ocean and then they got saved and then it's a year later and uh, she's showering because we needed some you know now the hot one was gone so we had to have a new hot one in the movie and that's jennifer love hewitt there's so much cleavage in this movie like, yeah a ridiculous amount <laughs> And, no, uh, no nudity, but so much cleavage. <laughs> yeah. So much, yeah. Oh, I forgot the most major plot point. Uh, Barry showering. That was good. Um, <laughs> and, and now back to this. Jennifer Love Hewitt is showering. She gets another note and she's like, oh no, it's happening again. It's the same font. Um, but it's actually an invitation to a party. So she's chill. And then she goes up to the, the mirror in the, in the bathroom and she sees, I still know, written there. And then the killer jumps out and, ooh, credits. And that was the story of how Sarah Michelle Gellar should have won an Oscar. <laughs> it Was this movie designed, like, did we select this movie as a companion piece to the sort of uh, hatred towards women in Devil Wears Prada when they have the, like, oh, you're so fat. And in this movie you have, like, them telling Sarah Michelle Gellar and Yellow for Love Hewitt, like, oh, you both look like shit. And I'm like, they're, yeah. still, we're, they're wearing the exact same makeup and outfits they wore in the beginning of the movie when they were like the beauty <laughs> queens of the town. Yeah. It didn't make much sense that. But the, the dress in which Sarah Michelle Gellar got killed, yes, honey, that can be worn today and it's still good. Like the fashions in this movie came back this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a girl power movie. Like yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jennifer Love Hewitt are only two competent people in this movie. Freddie Bean Prince Jr. is such a fucking doofus in this movie. This whole <laughs> time, he's just like, huh? What? He uh? had the least believable reactions to everything. Like, yes. there was no acting there. <laughs> he's so, so, so pathetic. And on the, like, the tail end, Ryan Philippe is like, try, like, he's looking like fucking frosted tip Justin Timberlake in his like, yeah. white tank top all the time. <laughs> he's like so hyper aggressive towards everything and everyone. But he was low key hot. I can't deny that. He looked like uh, he reminded me of uh, like the the guy from the the guy they create in Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm. the blonde the blonde yeah creature. <laughs> it brings me back to like a simpler time, like like he has that like you know not superhero body. He's like pretty like ripped, but mainly because he's just fucking skinny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I, that I, time I, came back. I think this time was a simpler time in the sense of like. If if you were a guy and you read some tips on like this is how you can actually like pop your style and become better looking, it wasn't that complicated. It was like just wear a polo shirt and frosted tips. Nowadays <laughs> it's like you need this hair tutorial that takes two hours every morning to get your hair perfectly bedheaded but not frizzy. And they both are like they have the same outfits, just color swapped. Like <laughs> Ryan Philippe <laughs> is blonde with a white tank top, and Freddie Prince Jr. has dark hair and black tank tops. Yeah, and his if we're gonna tank go back to didn't it. work. I'm sorry. If we're going to go back to Freddie Prince Jr., I think, I think he's a better actor than he is in this movie, but I think he got the assignment that he was going to play stupid because he's such a perfect... Yeah. Like, he's, he's a himbo in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's a lovable himbo. So, now, uh, Philip, why did you select this movie? I felt... I don't know. I felt like it was time for, like, to go back to Slasher Town and, like... Um, this, like, is by no means, like, the best slasher ever made, but... And there's one, like, when I, when I saw it, I, I didn't... Think I didn't like it that much, but like it, it has grown on, on on me over time, and like it was due for a rewatch for my, me personally. And it's just 
you know, it's a fun slasher. It has some it has some very cool scenes and yeah, I just fucking love Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> She's so she she has such limited range. But when she plays to her strengths, it's yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I wish she, she came back to her acting. strengths here. Y- yeah, she does because she she just the thing she the thing she does is just like she looks a bit annoyed and a bit confused, and she tucks her hair back yeah. behind her ear. That's all she needs to do. do yeah. And I'm I mean, <laughs> yeah, she was a Gen- Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like I, I was, I've always gotten the vibes from her that she's like the annoying soccer mom who like requests that everything is organic and like the after uh, like pizza party after the soccer game so. she eats those um live hacks where you have a watermelon slice and you put things on it and it's pizza <laughs> you know the, the, the pinterest life hack of how to eat healthy pizza she gives that vibe yeah but i'm, I I'm very interested how both of them both the leading ladies played like an iconic woman in in tv like melinda gordon and buffy summers which I know, of, of course, Buffy is way more iconic, but I feel like Ghost Whisperer still has a bit of my heart in it, too. I, I, I remember Ghost Whisperer, like the, the TV, like the promos so mm-hmm. clearly, like they were on every time. Mm-hmm. But I, I and I maybe seen like a couple episodes, but I felt like it was like very much a thing at the time and no one talks about it now. Yeah. Ghost Whisperer was on TV at the same time as Medium with Patricia Arquette. Yeah, yeah, I always got so, confused. Yeah, as I was like, when it came out, it was like, are you a prestige or delusionist? Or are you Ghost Whisperer and Medium? Oh my God. <laughs> Which We're one are you? Ghost Whisperer town here. Like everybody I knew was watching it. 100%. And honestly, the first five minutes of each Ghost Whisperer episode, scarier than any horror movie made today. Hands down. Before it's they established the... that the ghost is actually a good person looking for like uh, the light. <laughs> but in the beginning, they're always like, I'm going to eat you, bitch. Uh, it, and the only thing I remember is like, it's always like the, the, the promos always ended with a shot of her like waking up in bed, like <gasps> <Yeah>. <gasps> with full makeup every time <laughs> in the middle of the night. Uh, I got to say, I love the fact that you chose this movie because I absolutely love movies that take place in coastal towns. Same. same. There's some amazing like set pieces in this town. Like half the movie, I feel like takes place on the boardwalk. And like the the scene where uh, Leonard from um, Big Bang Theory gets killed, like the the shop is working. You have all these like big blocks of ice. Mm -hmm. It's all this steam from like cooking crayfish. And it's so... Um, it's so spooky, even though it's like bright daylight, bright, like brightest day. And, and also even all the, the interior shots, like in houses and everything, the set design was just to die for. Like the color palettes and everything just worked so well. Yeah, yeah, it looks amazing. It's shot like really well. Yeah, as well. You can tell that this is because there are a lot of cheap slashers that like like still look okay, but like you can feel like this had like some you know talent behind it and money, mm-hmm. I guess. So this movie being the, written by the guy who wrote Scream. So wasn't this based on a book? Yes. Okay, so when was the book made? Not sure. Was it I, before I, Scream? Uh, yeah, this is the year after Scream. Didn't Scream come out in 94? Um, I, was I it 94 New Nightmare? 96, the year, oh. this is the year before Scream. Oh. So he okay. was on a hot... St- I think... Uh, uh, Dawson's Creek started in 96 as well. So, like, mm-hmm. this guy was on a fucking run in the late oh, 90s. And Scream 2 is 97, and Sarah Michelle Gellar is in that too. Damn, yep. she was productive too. <laughs> so, uh, do you think that when they, they had this old script and they, they gave it, they were like, okay, we, we give this the screen treatment, and they gave it to the same guy who wrote Scream, and that's why they added some of the more meta elements. Because, like, there's some subtle metal meta stuff. I did, I, this is by nowhere like a scream like i wouldn't say it's the same ballpark as at scream it's like i don't know what do you feel i don't feel like there's anything really meta about this well you have like jennifer love hewitt's character in the beginning when they're like and they're talking when they're having the whole uh, like campfire scene when they're talking about murderers and sort of what they mean and so on yeah. and they they have like this part when they're like all of them are explaining uh, like they're describing uh, a, a killer that kills people and they're like no but he actually kills them with the his, his face is actually melted it's like no his face is, and they're like doing uh, they're, and then Jennifer Love Hewitt's character goes in and starts comic. that's when she does the whole bit about 
No, it's actually like uh, a movie made to scare people into not having sex before marriage and so on. It's like, I have a hard time imagining the original book being written that way. And it was like that they had all these elements about how horror stories are written. And that was something they sort of added after Scream became a huge hit. Um, could be, yeah. But and like, also like, it's, it's never, I don't feel like it's like riddled with it. And it's never like very like tongue in cheek and like winky winky as scream is mm-hmm. it's not it's not like uh it's, you never have like a j you know jamie kennedy like oh the, the turn around what are you doing as he's watching jamie lee like, like jamie lee curtis getting stabbed mm-hmm. or like cabin in the woods yeah it's Although uh cabin in the woods is good i like it it's fun cabin in the woods is fine yeah no yeah. i think no I, th- I feel this like while Scream like does the Scream thing, I feel like this movie plays it, you know, plays it straight. And, like it, it has a lot of like like the cliches, but they never do like oh, this like this is funny because it is a cliche. The only thing it was missing for me uh, in terms of it being a slasher film is the, the actual kills. I feel like we didn't see much of those. Did we kind of thought... yeah, did, I mean though. this this movie isn't really like overflowing with. Like characters, characters or like disposable characters, like most mm. slashers. Like the, this, the kill on Max in the beginning. That was the best in one. The, the Fisher. That yeah, that one is great. It's like quick, but it's brutal. Like hook through the like underneath the chin. It's like yeah, it's really good. But then yeah, the rest that that's, that's about it almost. Yeah, it's more of a who done it. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. Although it's, I feel like what? Helen deserved like a more iconic death scene. In the way that she struggled so much, and we what we saw was just some shaky, cut up footage, which I feel like it could have been better. I, I mean, yeah, but she, I mean, she gets the best lead up to it. Yeah. Instead, uh, but, so why did the killer kill Max? Because he thought he was also in it. I feel like because he he, maybe yeah, he was he there. Saw him. He was there. <laughs> he was there at the night of the killing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. But so. yeah, I, yeah, but I feel like this is. I feel like this movie like quite well like goes into the whole like dealing with guilt and trauma because like it like when the movie starts off these people like s- such like you know carefree senior high schools like the whole life ahead of them and then we like fast forward one year and like they're all they're all fucked up and like in different ways like dealing with it like differently like to level up you it's like it's like i mean we She's the main character, so we see her developing the most, but she's like really traumatized. Like she's failing school, everything like that. Samuel Jeller had to like give up on her dreams, and Barry's just like, he, yeah, he's just a m- more of a mean, rich asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it was kind of funny in the beginning when they're going in the car and he's standing on the top, like the, the sunroof, window? Uh, the sunroof of the car. And couple of days ago i watched a movie and i saw someone like having a sunroof and i was like you don't actually see a lot of sunroofs on cars nowadays i wonder why that is and then this happens like oh yeah i remember like nothing good came out of sunroofs in movie or like in general i had a sunroof for 10 years it was amazing yeah but what do you do with it <laughs> you fucking open it and you let your hair roll in the wind how long hair do you have like to get it up through the sunroof <laughs> long enough yeah, he's the beyonce of this podcast <laughs> hair wise you, you don't need Okay, I guess you've never been in a car with a sunroof on this, but you don't need to actually poke your hair out through the sunroof yeah. for the wind to hit your hair. I have. I have been in a car. and with I've been in a car. <laughs> yeah, I've, been in a car. I've seen cars before. <laughs> I've McQueen. seen one of those before. I was like, drive my car. That's a movie about cars. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, I. last week we talked about how uh, when you brought up we're going to be watching this movie, my reaction was like, I think I've absorbed most of that movie through like the zeitgeist and they didn't use that scary movie. And then this movie oh. was like so many times that I was like giggling to myself, thinking of like when I watched the scary movie when I was like nine years old and like a pirated VHS rip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the, the scene that made me laugh the most when they established that Freddy Prince Jr.'s character is called, uh, 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 it was Ray, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and they have like, Whenever they say Ray and uh, like Barry's character saying Ray to him, I just started thinking of that scene in in Scary Movie when they have the tattoos on their backs. It's like Ray fucked me, right? <laughs> and then it's like Ray fucked me because all of both of those characters kind of like are supposed to represent Ray and uh, the other dude, uh, Barry. No, Max. Bear, bear. 
No, Barry. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Like the names in this movie are so inconsequential. Barry just doesn't fit with his vibe. He should have been Max, and the other one should have been Barry. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, ba Barry is like uh, an author or like the school library. Yeah, the, the Giles type of character. This it, is a Justin not... for sure. Yeah, or a Jake. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jake is a bit too like. Jake Any NSYNC nice name. Yeah, I was more feeling like this is half the cast of the, the James Gunn written Scooby Doo movie. Yeah, where Sarah Michelle Gellar knocks it out of the park again as Daphne in Versace yep. boots. My yep. God! Yep. <laughs> did, you, did you know about the edit of that movie? What? That that like the original script they wrote was for an R-rated comedy, so they shot that one. But then when the movie was made, they were like, "Oh yeah, we can't like, what are we doing? We can't sell an R-rated Scooby-Doo movie." Yes, so they had can. the CGI and fix all the cleavages because like they had like low cut cleavages. There is. Have you seen it? Uh, like it was way worse. Like they had to do edits <laughs> for it to become PG thirteen because it was R rated in the beginning. Because like, and I think there was like a very explicit, like very explicit reference to them actually like Velma and Daphne having like sex together. Oh my god, my heart just broke that this is not in existence. I'm gonna say I think I like I, I haven't seen it in what fifteen years, but I think I, I if I rewatch Scooby Doo today, I'd be like, this movie's pretty damn good. It's, it is pretty, it's I saw so it like good. last year, it is so good, it is very horny, yeah. and like there are so many, like, I, I, I guess it's technically a kid's movie, but like, anyone over the age of like 12, like, okay, yeah, there, there's some stuff going on in this movie. <laughs> I like the fact that in the second live action movie, uh, Shaggy meets a girl called Mary Jane. And he no, that's the first one. It's, it's in the first yeah, one? Yeah, it's the first one. And that's, like, uh, what's her, Isla Fisher. Ah, oh, and he just goes really? like Mary Jane. That's my favorite yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're, they're like the MPAA when they were doing like the ratings. I was like, oh, that's a lovely name, Mary Jane. Like they never <laughs> connected the dots. <laughs> and there's also that scene when they're like in the in the van, it's just like smoke coming out of it, like hell, and then yeah. it cuts into it, and like having a barbecue. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to rewatch that one sometime and talk about I'm it. I'm gonna choose it as my next movie. What do you mean? <laughs> Everyone has seen it though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I, I thought that was a bit because uh, that's when I realized this movie came out. Like, were Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller dating at this point, or was that like way longer, like in the mid 2000s? They've been in so many movies together. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I think around this time, Ryan Felipe was dating Reese Witherspoon. Uh, after that, what's the What's the, that's the movie they're parodying in um, Not Another Teen Movie. Don't Cruel Intentions. She's all that. No, yeah, that yeah they do that in, but not Cruel Intentions. Uh, SMG is in that as well. Here's some trivia. They met during uh, uh, a scary movie too. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> Scream <Go> two. <laughs> Scream two. <laughs> and then uh, I know what you did last summer. And then uh, they started dating in two thousand. And they're still together. Oh, how convenient. You always know how many years you've been together. Yeah. <laughs> 22. No, I, I, because I started thinking, like, when they, when they sh introduced these characters, and then when I saw Fred Prince Jr., like, hooking up with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, I was like, wait, are they establishing that they're cheating on each other? Because, like, <laughs> Fred Prince Jr. has to be with Sarah Michelle Geller. What the fuck is this? <laughs> it, it, I thought it was like some controversial, almost meta casting that they were like, and we're going to have Sarah Michelle Geller not date Freddie Prince Jr. Do you know what really Breaking bugs me sometimes song. about movies? And I saw it here and it's, you have like accent coaches, you have like movement coaches. Where's the cigarette smoking coach? Because every time an actor smokes a cigarette that is not a, a smoker in real life, you can see it and you know it. They're holding it weird. They're exhaling yeah, weird. Yeah, Everything yeah, is yeah. so weird. And Sarah Michelle Gellar, I'm sorry, honey, but that lost to the Oscar. That part. I, uh, <laughs> I, saw, I saw this movie uh, with um, uh, Kieran Culkin and, and he was like, he started, he, he was like this wheelchair bound kid uh, that was like a bit of a social outcast. And then he started. What, what's the name of this movie? I recognize it. Oh, uh, Saved. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, he's dating this like oh tough broad who's like oh bad girl da 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 da, and just, like she's like oh do you want the cigarette? He's like oh I never smoked, and like oh yeah but have one, and like she can't smoke for shit, 
And then when he smokes, it's like it's a fucking like in the World War One trenches, just like yeah. honking Pinky over blinders. his <laughs> Yeah, it's like that guy knows how to smoke. I wonder if if someone saw me smoking, they were like, "Yeah, he knows how to do it." Like, I wonder, have you, Philip? You've seen me smoke? Do I know how to do it? Um, maybe. I mean, it depends on what you're going for. I mean, it's like I think that more. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Mean? Let's 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 establish this. What's who who's the best on-screen smoker? Because but I'm leaning towards like Killian Murphy in Peaky Blinders. John Hamm. John Hamm. Mm. Uh, January Jones in the Mad Men. Actually, I think she's the only one who looks like she actually smokes because she hates it. I mean, also iconic Helena Bonham Carter in Fight Club. She but she, she's well. a real yeah. smoker. She's a real smoker. Like yeah. she's. Yeah, but Killian Murphy has this, like, you know, the cupping, like, the holding his hand to cover the cigarette, like, the smoking in rain move. It's just so, yeah. I, I haven't badass. seen Peaky Blinders, I can't comment on Killian I, Murphy. I also haven't seen any uh, John Wayne movie, so I can't, I guess. I guess I, I found this movie quite entertaining. So entertaining. That's all I wanted to say. I, I, I just wish there was more... This sequel. <laughs> I, I wish there was more interior. I wish there was more like coastal house interior decorating where everything is covered in ropes and white and blue and like oak. <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted more inspiration for my apartment. Well, yeah, you just got a new apartment. Yes, yeah, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that with my apartment that I'm like half failing all the time because everything I'm trying to get, I have to like compromise on. So I end up with not having any ropes or blue or white. It's gonna be so many ropes by the time I'm done. It's gonna look like a, like a, a kitschy bar that is like designed for people who's like, let's Fucking, go to the or like to bondage. bondage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can use like hemp rope for bondage. Like it's way too fucking you like haven't frail tried. for that. Yeah, it's way too it, frail it, for that. Enough of them. <laughs> it's gonna be he's <laughs> rope burn on everyone. He's like covered in small pieces of fabric everywhere if they try to do it. Thought it was kind of funny when they find the the collar. There is like the the thing that the guy had when he was about to kill himself. That mm -hmm. says like "I love you," and I saw that. I was like, "That looks like one of those badges you put on dogs." It's like I thought it was like, "Is he killing himself over a dog?" <laughs> like his dog had run over or something. Mm. This reminded Trigger me of the thing uh, Hermione uses for time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione uh, could time travel. What was she, it called? Hermione could time travel in the third one, and then it's yeah. never brought up again. Did you bring it up in the books? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think they brought it up that it was broken or confiscated from her and at some point in the books. But then again, J.K. Rowling is a turf, so I'm going to forget about their existence. She's a turd as well. <laughs> Why would you bring up time travel like halfway through yeah. the series? Like, it's, like, you, and also, you, you, is that the only way you can time travel? Is it the one in the whole world that exists? Or are people like doing? Yeah. Not gonna question. Okay, so I commented on. I made some notes here when watching this movie that made me think of a simpler time, and that was when movies were actually like you could start a movie and you can have like a goth rock song or a new metal song or a new metal song on the soundtrack, and it would sell good, and people were like, "This fucking rules." And it was like it was a simpler time because like, what what soundtracks does a movie have now? Like if a slasher movie comes out today. And it's going to have like a soundtrack that sounds very much like, yeah, this is a slasher movie. What song would they have like over the credits? Like a like, Travis Scott or something, which is bad. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I, I can't remember like any like needle drops from the latest Scream or anything like that. I think they just go, I don't think they go for like licensed song that much. But I did watch uh, like a movie that came out like five years after this. The other day, there was also like kind of a not slash of a horror movie, and it had it had a, instead of uh, um, goth rock, it had fucking uh, two Thursday songs on it. <laughs> so like the post hardcore band, yeah, like post hardcore, like the, those whiny you know emo vocals. I, oh, I, I, I laughed so hard when they started playing the Beatles punk cover of Hey Bulldog in this one. I'm like, <laughs> Hey Bulldog is a very like niche Beatles song that's like, I think I'm the only one who loves it. And then they started playing like the the diet offspring version of it. It's like, <laughs> not the Green Day. Like, it's like slightly, it's like, like in between Green Day and offspring, like in terms of intensity. <laughs> Do you have also a movie like, that you've seen recently, like a newish movie that you are in love with the soundtrack where it's like weird, it's licensed songs, and but it just fits. 
I have one. I think Hustlers, the Jennifer Lopez strip club movie is amazing <laughs> in that sense. What, what needle drops are they? They managed to fit Gimme More by Britney Spears and Lord's Royals in the same scene. And it fit every single scene they were on. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I mean, after watching Red Rocket, I had that NSYNC song stuck in my head for like a week straight. Um, oh, yeah. You saw Red Rocket? Yeah. What did you think of it? I thought it was it was good. I liked I liked it. Uh, it's better than Licorice Pizza. Yes. Um, and I, mean, I haven't seen it. Good, good companion piece. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love the fact that people were talking like, if they made a movie, if they made this movie, but uh, it was a, a guy dating a woman, you would like not tolerate it. And then like red and people like yeah red rocket came out and people did not tolerate it like it was a lot more <laughs> hated on in that movie compared to in licorice pizza uh i think the most recent like it's not a soundtrack but are we talking about an entire soundtrack or just like an implementation of a song in a movie i mean yeah both because <laughs> the most recent time i went like oh, oh like uh, leonardo dicaprio pointing at the screen like uh, that moment happening was um uh, the what's that movie i care a lot with yeah. uh rosamund pike and they started the whole movie with um, a death in vegas song the dirge and i think like the whole sequence they play with the slow motion it was gorgeous i, I loved it i loved it yeah. and uh also i started watching uh i know ansel elgort fucking sucks but we started watch i started watching tokyo vice and they played a song like that show was supposed to take place in 1999 yeah and they start playing a song by Ravionettes that came out in 2007 they start playing that in a bar in that movie i'm like okay fuck like what's the quality control on this shit fuck off <laughs> i i came up with one now i saw um, uh the fanatic oh the 2019 uh, fred durst movie <laughs> and in that there is uh, a scene when uh what's his face uh Devon Shava, when he's like riding in the car with his kid, and it's like, Do you want to listen to some Limp Biscuit? It's like, Yeah, <laughs> listen to <the> Limp Biscuit. <laughs> that movie is a movie. That movie gets so much shit, but it's like, it's an actual movie. I love how I your references, you want... both of your references about music are just so like specific and everything. And I'm like, Yeah, they played Britney Spears and Lord. And then my next uh, choice was Promising Young Woman, where they played. Uh, Charlie XCX voice in the beginning, and then Bo Burnham Ooh. saying "Stars Are Blind" by Paris Hilton, and I'm like, mm, yeah, that's, that's what I live for. That sounds pretty good. Too. Yeah. Okay, so which one of uh, Ned of "Promising Young Woman" I care a lot. Which one was the better one? Stop. They both kind of sucked. I mean, <laughs> I, I care thought a lot. was a great. No, I hated it. Uh, but what? "Promising Young Woman," I mean. It had some elements. I feel like it was made for a different audience that were not aware that actually men are assholes and it had to educate them. Uh, but it, to me, it was a bit too on the nose. And then just I care a lot. Ugh, I did not care at all. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect pun. I love it. That was almost on the degree of uh, a Destiny's, des uh, sacrificing a Destiny's child yeah. for Beyonce's, uh, Beyonce's talent. <laughs> I gotta say, like this, uh, going back to I know what you did last summer. I felt this movie was like on the cusp of being schlocky enough for it to be a fantastic movie, mm. but now it felt more like, in terms of how good it is quality-wise, it feels maybe like the third movie in a series that's like a bit watered down, like in terms of energy and like execution. So it's like if this movie was maybe like five percent more schlocky or five percent more energetic i would be like this movie is a cult classic like this is my although like, i think it is movie. a cult classic i mean it's yeah, i definitely it's say so culture yeah and I, like i think like I don't, I don't think this movie is like amazing it but like then again like it it i think like it's only drags a bit in the middle yeah. but i think but it's a like, red herring storyline i think yeah that's the, the yeah thing. Uh, and it's also like taking out the whole coastal thing. It's not. It's yeah. just not as fun. But like, it, it is like it is damn solid when it's when it's like when it actually tries. It's really good. And then just like the cast just makes me like oh fucking like I I just like watching them. Are you kidding? Yeah. These are my Avengers. Like these yeah, are exactly. <laughs> so this, much yeah, better. it's like I, I like yeah. The, the movie is not super great, but like I'm still having a great time every time I watch this movie. Like this this movie is everything it needs to be. 
Yeah, the the only thing I would say, like on the script level, that made me go, okay, yeah, this movie is a bit flawed. Is the whole villain uh, sort of explanation and how convoluted it gets because yeah. it gets so convoluted and they do it in such a like just uh, don't you just hate it when movies have a plot twist at the end and that plot twist sort of like changes so you have to reevaluate everything up until that point in the movie. Mm-hmm. You, when you, you watch as many slashes as I do. You like you're just expecting it, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is not not nearly like as bad as what I'm used to. No, no but uh, you sort of get into that when whenever you're watching a movie and you have that sort of twisted end that makes you like, so you have to reevaluate everything that happened up, up until that point. You sort of need that breathing time where you sort of start go, wait, but how did that connect? Like, why did he try to kill him then? Like, it's sort of like in use, uh, like in usual suspects. Like when you're watching. When you get to the twist in Usual Suspects, you have, or like in Seventh, no uh, Sixth Sense, in Sixth Sense, you sort of have to go like, okay, but what about that scene? Like you, you start thinking and you sort of stop focusing on the movie. And this movie had that because they never give you any good explanation of uh, how this villain was actually the father and like how, how everything connected. It was so, yeah. it, was, it got convoluted to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to bring up the Wikipedia synopsis mm-hmm. here. But yeah, I thought... It was definitely an entertaining movie. I think it needed to to have a killer that's already established in the movie for it to work better for me. I don't know why. I mean, the the fact that it was just some rando, I, to the end, I didn't want to believe that it was him because it just didn't strike a strong enough chord for me. Yeah, I mean, like the... I, I liked like the visual aspect of the killer because it, yeah. it, it is pretty yeah. cool. Like the hook. It looks awesome. And, yeah, it, lo- it looks really great. And then like the 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 substance isn't there for him. But like, mm-hmm. that's not why I'm here. I'm here for General Love Hughes Banks. Yeah. But I was low-key hoping it was Elsa. But when she got killed, I'm like, yeah, that went out the door. <laughs> oh, also, speaking of like um, the plot-making science, there's a scene where like <laughs> Jennifer Love Hughes is driving in a car and she's not hearing this sound. And she's off the car and she looks, looks in the trunk and it's just full, full of crabs and a dead guy's head. Yeah, and she just runs off and gets her friends to come back, and it's all gone. It's like how the fuck do you get rid of all those crabs? What are you waiting yeah, for? Yeah, and that's when I was like, the movie maybe went was, I, I I thought is this movie trying to say that it's like a psychological aspect where you start to doubt uh, her no, psyche? I think it was there. But then at the same time, I'm like, but we know they killed someone. Like that's <laughs> that's not like that's not that's not that that can't be taken as anything else but like fact no but yeah no but you you can go like that because this the whole aspect of like oh he's playing with us he had all these chances to kill us but he hasn't like how the the toll that takes on you but also like the whole guilt you already have the whole plot hole there would have been like i'm sure it was there i mean like smell (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that's like like crab slime in there No, he was really good at cleaning up that like interior like velour, the, the, like <laughs> yeah. that fabric fabric like you have at the bottom, like on the trunk and shit. Exactly. Also, like I'm now reconsidering if the killer actually cut up Sarah Michelle Gellar's hair or was it actually the sister? <laughs> Never had this confirmed. And I'm I'm leaning more towards the sister because I wouldn't expect a man to understand what it's like to cut a hair like this. <laughs> Philip, let's say that you are, let's roleplay that you are the owner of this franchise and you're a producer and I'm a director and I come to you with a script what proposition. What am I? And, uh, you're the secretary. You're my sexy him. secretary, yeah. Yeah, sexy secretary. You're, you have like one of those things they have in court that when you're writing like with a small like receipt paper comes out. Ned, hold my calls. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> uh, for, for the record, Ned put on some very sexy glasses. He looks like Clark Kent right now. Before he looked like Superman. So I come to you and my pitch is, let's do a remake of I Know What You Did Last Summer. But it turns out halfway through or like the last third of the movie, it's actually Cthulhu. That is H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> because of the sea town. Actually, Philip is busy. Can you try the 31st of March? <laughs> oh, that's in a year. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not like this fucking... IP is like super, like all oh, this can't be touched. It can't be made fun with. They just you think like last year they did a TV series based on this. Yeah, and it was bad supposedly. Yeah, but like yeah, like I don't feel it needs to come back. Like there's the sequel to this, which is like it's fine, um, it's not great, and then there's like a third sequel who is allegedly trash, and it's like there's not much to do with this. This is like this movie. 
doesn't need to be be touched and if you were to do it like yeah might as well go like balls to the walls with it yeah because my thought was that like uh if i were a director and i had access to like an ip that they were allowed to do like crazy shit with i would always go for like you expect it to be this way because you're watching a remake and then you never tell the audience beforehand that it's like oh shit turns out it's cthulhu and now a sea monster is coming out of the ocean and everyone living in the sea is actually in this weird cult and everyone in this cinema audience going like what the fuck just happened like i went here to see jennifer love hewitt and uh, i didn't get that so you want to like shock people and just uh, change everything up so they don't ex- they don't know what to expect in your movie yes and i want to sit in the back of the cinema and i want to see like 14 year olds or like 30 yeah. year olds who have nostalgia for original i want to sit and go like good fuck you yeah <laughs> like you mess with them also what i'm thinking of is like i feel like movies don't set the right expectations movies that don't set the right expectations are my favorite uh, because I want to be surprised by what it is. And I think that happened at the Northman when I watched it now, because it was a bit different than what I expected. And six people left because I thought, and I think they, they expected like a Viking action movie. And I think that's a good practice to do in movies to just subvert expectation. Whoever likes it, likes it. And whoever doesn't leave the cinema, bitch, I don't care. You already paid. It's like, I, I think someone actually sued a cinema chain because when they went to see drive, they expected to get, Fast and Furious, and they're like, it's just this guy being sad for an hour and a half. Oh my god. But, that, but that's your own fault for watching trailers. Fucking yeah. going blind, like... Um, Pontus, are you okay if Philip spoils the second I Know What You Did Last Summer? Because I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Do both uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. survive in the second one? Um, I think so. Freddie Prince Jr. is barely in it. Because the whole, the whole, like, like this shtick... <laughs> With the, yeah, no, but even less. It's like in the beginning and at the end, because the, the whole mm. thing with the second one is like, oh, they're going on this. Uh, I, th- I think it is like the same character. I'm not sure. Yeah, they, yeah, they win this trip to a tropical thing. There's like at the end of the season, so it's closed, and there's a big storm, and it's the empty hotel, and the killer appears, and Freddie Prince Jr. doesn't go with them. Uh-huh. It just shows up at the end. But yeah, I think he survives. Okay. Yeah, because I I wanted to know if they would go like full Final Destination, which is one of my favorite things to just kill the whole cast. And if, if you don't kill someone, kill them in the sequel. And uh, I was really hoping that everybody will die in the second one just because I kind of like that. Not because I'm a murderer, but because I enjoy <laughs> horror movies. But yeah, for them to, to, for the two of them to still be alive, because you have a slasher movie, you have four main characters and you kill only two of them. That doesn't make sense. It's three or four. Those are your options. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah. This is like one of the few slasher movies where like, I, I like, oh, I kind of want everyone to stay alive. I was sad, I, yeah. I was sad when SG yeah. died and this one knew it was coming and I was still sad. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. When, when she died, I was like, wait, she can't die. Like they've established her so far being like a good person. Like she is a good character. A good, like you like her. I'm so like, happy ba- for the SMG. It's like Barry, when, when you see Barry, it's like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like when he goes <laughs> and dies, it's like, yeah, I'm happy you died, asshole. I have one more note before I think I have said everything you have about this movie. There's one like very cutesy moment in the movie when they're talking about like what they're going to be doing after they graduate. And they're talking that he's going to be going like Ray, Fred Prince Jr.'s character is going to be going to, is it Boston? He's talking about? I don't remember. I can't remember. And they said, like, you're going to be sitting in some coffee shop and ramble esoterically on your laptop. And I started thinking, like, this movie came out in 97. Was that a concept back then that people <laughs> brought, like, their thick-ass laptops to coffee shops and, like, just wrote books and shit? But the laptop uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is using is surprisingly slim. I mean, it's just, like, a green fucking screen, but... Uh... It's like smaller than the Alienware today. Yeah. Were we lied to about when this movie came out? <laughs> yeah, like, is this like a Berenstain moment where it's like we find out that this movie actually came out in like 2007 or something? Because there's so many small things in this movie that made me go like, was this actually made 10 years later? But I think it's actually set like in the earlier 90s than it's... I don't think it's like set in 97. I think it's set earlier. Yeah. Uh, because they like, like talk about, oh, yeah, the the sister was, like, a few years older than them, and she graduated, like, 88 or something like that. It says here in the... Oh, ah, okay. My bad. Yeah. 
Okay. Scrap yeah, that. I, so I just started thinking like, why did has that thing of people sitting in Starbucks and just like using the Wi-Fi? Okay, I know they didn't really have Wi-Fi back then, but like, was that a thing in the late nineties? Like, did didn't it wasn't the concept of everyone owning a computer? In Pontus needs to establish a shot of the Ethernet cable being plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I just started thinking, like, because they got that frame of reference, like, because th- that must have been a thing for real when it happened. So I started thinking, about, wait, did people actually do that in the 90s? I mean, can you sit still, sit there and type, like a fucking typewriter. You don't need to be hooked up to do a WordPad document. Only thing I did back then was to uh, uh, play this Flash game of who wants to be a millionaire on my Windows 95. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was wearing diapers. No, I, I've been... Uh, I've been in the game far longer than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I have to say about this movie. I want to thank Philip for introducing me to a coastal town movie. I always appreciate that. That's yeah, my new thing. Check coastal out uh, check out Dawson's Creek. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, it was lovely. I what it. are we in for next week? What so I for? couldn't decide on... Two. I have two of them, but I couldn't decide, so I am gonna make this up a, a little thing for you. Mm-hmm. So I've taken these are two movies. Both of them are like darker comedies. One has three point seven on the letterbox. That one has three point eight. So and I'm mm. gonna be reading a quote from a review. I was hoping we said three point seven on IMDb, and I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's a, okay, so the first one, it has 3.7 on Letterboxd. And this is a quote from a re- review I re- found on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. It's, re- it's refreshing to see a movie portray in such a good light the tawdry behavior of an alcoholic loser and a sex addict sociopath. And the next one has a 3.8. And it says, I wonder how the producer, uh, producer pitch meeting for this film went. And then in quotes, hey, imagine this. I'm going to make a hilarious comedy about uh, suicide bomber terrorists. I'm interested in the first one. I'm interested in the second one. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Two scissors. Aw. Um, yes. uh, paper Girl, I rock. did it. What is it? Um, which one? Did you choose the first one first or the second one. one? Yeah. The first one is Sideways with Paul Giamatti and Paul Thomas. Uh, it's Thomas Hayden Church. Can you reveal the second one, too? Uh, Four Lions. Oh, I don't know either. Same. All right, interesting. All right. I guess that's it then. Thank you all for listening. Please don't hate it. Signing off. Over and out.